Hello everyone, welcome back to the Officially Denied Podcast, I am Peter. And I'm Toby. This week, we're doing things a little bit differently. We've actually brought on a guest for the first time ever. And um, my good friend Mosin Upal is here. And what, what do you do, Mosin? What, what's your ties with politics? Well, um, me and Tobias met through a society at university called Model UN, which is like, it's sort of a simulation of the debates and discussions that the United Nations has. And I'm currently the president this year for Manchester Model UN. And Tobias is our welcome officer. So that's mine and Tobias's link. Yeah. So we basically met through Model UN and we've ended up going to gigs and just being good friends, yeah. of course. And although, although you, you uh, run the MUN Society, what's, uh, what's your degree? Well, I study mathematics, which is usually a, a shock to people because no, no one, um, especially in my like, circle of friends, in my degree, know anything about politics. Um, apart from me so i'm usually their guide to brexit or trump or just anything that's going on in the news just because of through my experience at model un brilliant so how, how would you how would you explain a uh, brexit to them if they asked right now well i would say to be to not give my opinion um, i would try to avoid using words like disaster and mistake but um i would say it well, usually they ask specific questions like, oh, what was in the news recently about, say, for example, the withdrawal bill. And I'll try and explain the withdrawal bill and what I've read of it, um, which isn't always accurate because obviously I'm just someone who's reading about it from the perspective of reading the news, reading BBC, which I'm always prone to biases as well. But I'd always encourage people to seek, seek out as many different news sources as they can and form their own opinion because... Again, I don't study politics, so what I could be saying could be totally wrong. Yeah, no, that that sounds that sounds fair enough. I mean, the, the reason I ask is um, my dad, who doesn't live here, uh, he called me like from halfway across the world uh, earlier today, and he was he basically just asked me like, "So, um, Brexit, where are we?" And I, 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 yeah, wasn't even sure what to say really. I, like everything is, everything is still in the toilet. Anyway. anyway. Uh, <laughs> Nobody, nobody knows what's going to happen, and uh, yeah, we might just all run out of insulin. Yeah, might all have to buy our survival kits off the dark web. Yeah, off. Uh, well, um, I heard Alex Jones is still running his uh, supply store, so if you guys want to get some ready meals from there, I, that might not be the worst idea. Yeah, that that is a plan. That is a plan. <laughs> <laughs> not guaranteed to contain any fluoride, at least. That's true. No, no. So, um, although we want to talk about how young people can get involved in politics and how a career in politics or even just a side hustle in politics is available to people even from the age of 10 years old, um, we'll get to that later. Firstly, we're going to talk about a story Mossin had. Um, it was our very own vice <laughs> yeah. Vice investigative journalism. That's one way to put it. Um, but so last weekend, um, I had an interesting running with the Scientologists in Manchester. Um, it was completely by chance. Um, we were actually going to go bowling. Um, and I don't know. We just ended up 
uh, walking past the Church of Scientology in Manchester, which is a uh, so so you weren't you weren't going bowling with the Scientologists. You were going bowling and you gotcha, right? Okay. Me and my friend were planning to go bowling, and we were just walking down the road, and we saw a a large sign that said three personality tests, and that caught my eye. And I looked up, and it said Church of Scientology, and that that really caught my eye. So, um, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever played Odds On. Oh uh, no, I'm, I'm not familiar with it now. Yeah, I, I think I did once. So basically, you say Odds On, and then you pick a number, ten, and then if you both guess the same number within one to ten, you have to do it. Um, we didn't oh, get the right, same yeah. idea, but um, we really wanted to go in anyway. So. Um, we went in, and um, there was a, a woman greeted us, and um, she said, oh, are you here to take the t- personality test? And we said, yeah. And she asked us our names. And this is my first mistake. Um, I gave my real name. Uh, my first name, of course. Not not the last name. But um, that made things a bit more difficult when I, I had to give a fake name later on. But, um, yeah, so they sat us down. And um, surprisingly, there were other people in there. There was an American lady in there that was also taking the test. And um, they handed us a large booklet that had a, lots of small questions. It was like, I think there were 200 questions. And it was labelled the Oxford Capacity Analysis, Analysis Test. And when one hears Oxford, they usually think of the university, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, if you read the fine print, it was copyrighted by L. Ron Hubbard, who is the founder of uh, Scientology. Scientology. Uh-huh. And I've just got a question for you. Um, so you said that there were other people taking the test. Yeah. Do you think they were taking it seriously, or were they just there like you out of curiosity or just for a joke? Um, I'm not really sure because the other lady who's in there with us, um, she seemed quite like, quite interested in what um, the the history behind Scientology from the questions I could hear her asking. Whereas me and my friend, we were just more there just to like just to see what. I've never, I didn't know Scientologists were even in uh, Manchester, never mind England, but... Um, oh, they've got branches one. all over the UK, yeah. Yeah, they've got a massive one in Birmingham, actually. I know, yeah. <laughs> we, we, uh, sorry uh, to, to interrupt you, but uh, we, like, uh, the previous tenants uh, in the house we currently live, uh, we pretty sure uh, were signed up to them, because uh, for the first few months after we moved in, we, we got uh, letters from, from the church, so... Damn. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, 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 it, so, so, yeah, yeah. they're they're around. They're pretty active here as well. Um, you see them sometimes in the in the in the city center. Well, actually, anyway, yeah, anyway, anyway, go. Yeah. On. Sorry. Uh, they did tell me they were opening up a new church in Manchester, a, 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 on a much larger scale. Um, I think they're taking over an abandoned like industrial building. So, because the current the church I went to was literally just a, it was a shop from, so it was quite small on the inside, but. Um, yeah, so it came to filling out the test, and there were 200 questions, and some of them were kind of standard personality test questions, sort of like a Myers-Briggs sort of thing. But there were some strange ones. Um, there was one question, which I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something on the lines of, if you were to invade a foreign country, would you spare the inhabitants of this country? What? <laughs> yeah, so... What the fuck? Um, but me and my friend, we were filling it out... We had to write our name on the top of the test, but we didn't. We left that till the end, and so we were filling it out for each other. I was trying to fill it out. What what would I think my friend would put? Um, he was filling it out in the most absurd way possible, and um, when it came to you know handing them in, 
Um, I wrote a fake name for him, a fake last name. He wrote a fake last name for me, which also happened to be the last name of one of our best friends. Um, which also was a bit strange because it was a very English last name, and I don't have a very English first name, or I don't look very English either. So um, I think that may have aroused some suspicion from uh, the woman. Um, so when it came to get our results, well, we had to wait quite a while to get our results. Initially, the lady told us we would be in there for 20 minutes, but we were probably in there for about three hours. And oh. um, yeah, so, and she was on a computer for a while and inputting the results. I'm not entirely sure if she was actually inputting it into a, you know, an algorithm or something, or if she was just on Excel writing her graph. But yeah. um, so whilst we were waiting, another lady came up to us and started asking us about, you know, like what we do, what, how old we are, what we study. Um, I couldn't think quick enough on my feet, so I did tell them I'd study maths. Mm. And this is where it got a bit strange because the woman said, "Oh, that means you're perfect for Scientology because Scientology is logical." It's scientifical, uh-huh. and it's it's built by an engineer. Well, I'm not sure built's quite the word. Uh, founded by an engineer. And my friend uh, studies computer science as well, and he told her that as well. And she said that Scientology is perfect for people like us, which is strange when you actually delve into the beliefs of Scientology, and it's pseudoscience at best. Yeah, it's just pure sure. pseudoscience, yeah. yeah. Um, and she read, there was a few chapters from a, not a few chapters, a few paragraph from a book which i can't quite remember the name of was that a uh, dianetics it wasn't dianetics but it was so it says based on the works of l ron hubbard but it wasn't actually written by l ron hubbard huh. um I, I actually asked her that and she said no he didn't actually sit down and write these books but they're based on the works of l ron hubbard um so that was quite strange and it was almost like a book of like fables and morals and um stuff like that so and one of the things she said about scientology is that the core tenant of scientology is that if it's truth to you then it's truth and what she meant by that is if you can't feel the effects of one of their practices or beliefs then you don't have to accept it which is quite contrary to, you know, I'm sure you've all heard the stories of people not being able to leave Scientology and being held against their will. Yeah. See, when when you say this, so I've, I've heard this story before, and um, I mean, for context of, you know, who Mossin is, how he is as a person, Mossin yeah. has a strong personality, is, um, is an intelligent guy, and you're also charismatic. Um, and the thing is, some things that cults, and you know, Scientology is a cult at the end of the day, yeah. something they look for is um, people who are charismatic but also um, seem vulnerable. Yeah. And because um, sometimes when you present yourself to people, so I, I, I've seen when you meet people for the first time, sometimes you're just a bit quiet. Yeah. But just yeah, but literally just, just the way you are. Um, I think they would have taken that quote unquote as like a sign of weakness and maybe have told you what your result was yeah as you're about to say now yeah well we'll get yeah so this is something we'll get onto. so when i actually came to getting our results which i've got in front of me right here um so they used a they were is that 10 yeah 10 um as you can tell maths is my strong point um 10 categories um from a scale of minus 100 to 100 
And uh-huh. within the scale of minus 100 to 100, there are two sections. From minus 20 to about 30, it kind of ranges. And the lower section of that, which is from about minus 20 to about zero, is considered slightly below average. And then from zero to about 30 is considered above average. And um, of course, my friend, you know, filled these out for me. Uh, my results weren't great. So the first category is the stable category. And uh, do you want to take a guess on what I scored? From minus 100 to 100. So on the... So the category is to do with your stability um, so... as an individual. Right. So it's so a 200-point 200 200 scale, scale, but, but yeah. you, you, you said, said they... Uh, you said, said minus, minus 20 to... Yeah, minus 20 to plus 20 is considered like the average range of a he- of an average person. Yeah, so from okay. minus 100 being the lowest to 100 being the highest, um, I got minus 100. So on... you're an extremely unstable human being. Yeah, which is wow. actually what it says, unstable. Um, so, so, so you, you got, got the, the lowest, lowest on, on that scale. scale? Yes, and then yeah. I got the lowest on the next one and the next wow. one, uh, which is the depressed scale. And the uh, composed nervous. to nervous scale. Yeah, composed. Oh, yeah, of course, because at the top it says yeah. positive value, yeah. Which is um, quite strange because depression is something you can't just diagnose from a, what is just personality a test. Mind yeah, for a personality test, test yeah. yeah. And yeah. it wasn't just that she said I was depressed. Um, she's, you can't really see her, but there's a little symbol she's drawn on my, on the graph. And apparently, according to her, that meant I was manic depressed. Um, which, again, is a, that's bipolar disorder, which is another mental illness she prescribed to me and then diagnosed to me. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then also from a, the next, so the first three categories, which is unstable, depressed, and nervous, that sort of scale, are considered the categories on, about you as a person. And then the next uh, four categories are considered, are the categories that consider your life in general. So these are certainty and uncertainty, activity and inactivity, aggressiveness and inhibitedness, and responsibility and irresponsibility. So Uh respectively, I scored minus 82, 12, 16, which are my two highest scores, and then minus 90. Uh But one of the interesting things she said about this is that if all these scores are even, as if they're all relatively the same, that means you can't improve as a person, as in you've reached your full potential. Which she didn't really delve into why that was, but I found that quite interesting and thought it'd be worth mentioning. And then the next categories were, it's, I believe it, it says other, um, which is just your correct estimation, your um, appreciativeness, and then your your level of communication yeah so com level yeah and then withdrawn so i guess it's outgoing and withdrawn and you're put on like the regular yeah sure about attention desirable yeah oh wait hang on hang on so the bit so the ones that you said that you're below yeah below average yeah or all of them um basically all of them in the, in the in the legend at the bottom it says legend is that what you how you call it in English the guide yeah I would use legend. yeah the, le- the the legend says below broken line attention urgent yeah, yeah. so you're a broken human yeah. being that needs urgent yeah. attention <laughs> Jesus yeah so I mean Zeno 
Yeah, v- yeah. <laughs> we'll get on to Vito. All right. All right. Oh, so should sh- 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 we just uh, should we just cut to the chase and ask you um, how much their uh, prescribed treatment uh, would have cost you? Oh well, it would cost thirty-four pound a seminar, and they recommended I take four different seminars a week. Um, personal values and integrity, which is the first one. Ethics and survival. Uh, self-analysis and then a course on Dianetics as well. Right, right so, so that, that, that would have, have uh, helped cure your uh, quote-unquote manic, manic depression, depression, right? Well, not helped. She she said it will cure my manic depression. Yeah. Like, she straight up said that. Um, and of course, you know, I wasn't, you know, going to do these courses if they cost that much, but I was still, like, somewhat interested in doing them just to see what they were. And um, this is when it got, like, she was being quite pushy and trying to convince me to come back. And um, uh-huh. and she said, "Oh, if you're not if you're not convinced on coming back on Monday, you can uh, go to www.scientology.tv and watch that over the weekend." And I did watch some of that over the weekend, and I can probably say I've never wasted a weekend more than that. <laughs> I, I have also minus actually, bullshit. I, I I have actually I've also watched Scientology, Scientology TV. TV. It's it's, it's like, like legit, legit twenty four hour programming, yeah. um, um, and, and it's, it's oh man, man like, like I'm not sure not how, how you describe, describe it. it. Like, like it's, it's it's very, it's very not, not wacky, wacky but, but like, like it's quite surreal i'd say yeah i think, that, like, I think that's kind of the correct word for it is it kind of like in the uncanny valley where you'd find infomercials yeah that's the way I yes, describe it. yes yes okay yeah because like you know it, when you woke up early as a kid and you want to watch cartoons but they weren't on yet so you're watching infomercials yeah you kind of didn't understand if this was like a joke or if it was real yeah. I'm guessing that's what Scientology TV is like. Yeah, so, yeah, they're very... I mean, Sorry, you can go on. Well, what I was going to say, like, they've, they've got, like, a quite a variety of programs, so it's not just... I mean, obviously, all of it is uh, an advert for Scientology, but they've got, like, like documentaries about uh, different... Like, their different missions. They've got stuff on L. Ron Hubbard, obviously. There's, like... Um, about like their all their different church openings around the world. So like there's it's quite quite it's like interviews. Uh, I think they might even have some like fictional kind of shows that they produce. Um, so like obviously, obviously all reality TV in a way or like yeah yeah, yeah sort of I, I I think yeah. Man, EastEnders, Scientology <laughs> edition. That's gonna be tight. Oh man, it's probably ba- it's probably better than Battlefield Earth, but uh, yeah. <laughs> That's just scary. The yeah. fact that they're all over the place, even in the UK of all places. Yeah, and um, one thing I noticed as well when I um, when I was in the church, um, there were quite a few employees just walking around, and um, one of them walked up to another one, and she was like, "Oh, I can't, you, can't, you won't guess what happened to me last weekend. I got audited. I got audited." Which is, if you don't know what auditing is, it's kind of like their spiritual belief. Their spiritual process of like cleansing the soul, but it's completely based off pseudoscience. It's just well, damn. Yeah, I mean the the way it works is they they basically ask you questions uh, using a, a very kind of um, a very basic lie detector essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it'll often be very personal. Like it often gets to very personal stuff. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, like what critics of Scientology would say is that you know they keep all that info on you and that if you either f- ever fall foul of the uh, of the church then they'll they'll bla- they've got a lot of material to blackmail you with yeah and um, cause it's 
designed, well, supposedly designed to deal with past traumas. Okay. Which is also links to something else she told me. So when she was telling me oh, I need to take the seminars, obviously I was, you know, even though I was playing the part as someone who actually needs the help of these seminars, I was still quite reluctant because I didn't want to agree to pay to anything right there and then. And mm. she misinterpreted or interpreted my reluctance as me having some sort of past trauma that was inhibiting me from truly reaching my potential, as she would uh, quoted. Um, which Ooh. is when I started to play along because I started to pretend to, you know, be oh, emotional God. and say, yeah, you're right, I do have some past trauma, but I don't want to get it right now. I see someone adjust their belt yeah. and I want to cry. <laughs> oh, God. Because um, ultimately, I don't think what the two people I met would do, I don't think they had malicious intent, but it does yeah. make me wonder, like, if perhaps if, say, someone who just went in there, just as, just passing by and went in, um, and they actually uh-huh. did have some form of, you know, mental illness or something. Um, they could possibly be convinced that, you know, the mental illness they have isn't an actual illness. It's something that can be cured by Scientology. Which is quite scary that there are people in the UK, in all major cities in the UK, passing off these pseudoscientific cures to actual illnesses. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 very... It's, it, I mean, it's, it's quite scary, honestly, you know, because especially given that, you know, mental illness is, you know, a, a bigger kind of problem in society than ever was before. Um, and, you know, as you say, when you have these people essentially, you know, preaching pseudo solutions, uh, you know, for money. Um, yeah, like it, it's, it's, it is kind of, it's, it's very exploitative, I, I, I would say. Yeah, it's just the fact of how exploitative Scientology is, is what um, I find most, I'll, I'll use the word disturbing, but, you know, it does actually make me kind of angry. And, um, you know, if, if, if you were to compare it to, say, something like any other actual religion, the thing with actual religions is that there isn't an intention of malice behind it. Um, it's, you know, you, you, most religions, um, allow you to live a life of, um, faith in parallel to your life as a functioning human being. Of course, once you get to really, um, uh, uh, conservative, really orthodox communities of certain, um, religions, that's when it, it becomes a dedication to a life of faith. But Scientology, of course, pushes a life of complete and absolute faith in Scientology. And that is all. Like, there is no work-life balance to... Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, at least when, when when Scientology is being advertised to you as, like, as someone who hasn't come into contact with before, I mean, what they, what they would tell you um, is that their doctrine is completely compatible with any of the, of the major religions. You know, um, they wouldn't even... Yes, they... I mean, obviously, that's that's absurd. Once you actually start getting into the actual, like, uh, you know, doctrines of Scientology and their their foundation myths and all sorts of stuff, but but like on the, on the base level, um, they they market themselves more as like a way to view psychology more than anything else. And, yeah, and it, which is and it's very telling because like the people they seem to hate the most are actual psychologists, which <laughs> because, is interesting. You know, yeah. But the but I think um, Scientology pushes. Um, their own school of psychology that's more in line with um, psychoanalysis. And the issue with psychoanalysis um, 
as a friend of mine was telling me this week, she studies psychology and was telling me that they, at university you don't study psychoanalysis. One of the first things they teach you in psychology is that you're not going to learn psychoanalysis because it's um, unscientific and um, antiquated. Yet, I think Scientology pushes um, their own school of pseudo-psychology that is in line, that falls in line with um, uh, psychoanalysis. Yeah, and part of the disturbing thing as well is that they present it as scientific and logical when, of course, there's no peer-reviewed uh, evidence that supports it. And then, of course, they charge you ridiculous fees to do it, whilst also, you know, preying upon people who might not know much better about, you know, how to deal with mental illnesses. Yeah. So, I think the bottom line... Well, before I, I, I say my bottom line on psychology, what, what would you say? What's your um, moral of the story from pretending to need Scientologist help? Uh, don't go into weird, strange rooms. <laughs> don't go into weird, strange rooms. Yes. Um, go bowling instead. I mean, I, 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 actually, I actually have a sort of similar story. Uh, no, uh, not a Scientology story, but um, a couple of months ago, uh, I was in London with, with my girlfriend. And uh, we were... Um, forget the name of the street, but it's just south of Hyde Park next to uh, University College. Yes. And um, and there is a, uh, a Mormon church there. And um, and uh, we were walking by and we saw they were advertising uh, free Mormon Bibles. And we kind of wanted to get one because we heard it was hilarious. Um, so, 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 you know, we were like, okay, what the hell, we'll, we'll just go in and get our Bible and then when we get back to our hotel, we'll just take the mic. Um, so, um, yeah, we go in there, and it's, it's like, this kind of very lavish church. It's it's pretty cool. Um, there's, and then this f- f- super friendly Canadian guy, at least, at least I thought he sounded pretty Canadian. Uh, the super friendly Canadian guy comes towards us, and uh, he's like, all right, he- hello, are, are you here to, you here for your free Bible? And uh, we're like, yeah, yeah, uh, sure, yeah. Um, and um, so, um, essentially... <laughs> <laughs> these things are never quite so simple so in order to get a free bible he says we'll um we'll we'll uh we'll take you uh, we we, we want to watch you we want to we want to show you a little a, a short film um and uh then we'll we'll give you your free bible and you know see you know alarm bells are ringing inside my head i'm like oh god what's this gonna be how long is this gonna take and he's and um and you know i basically you know uh tell him well actually we really uh we're really kind of in a hurry, so we kind of just really kind of just wanted to get the book. Um, and he says, oh, no, 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 don't worry. It's, 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 only, it's only four minutes. Um, and we're like, okay, right, let's see where this goes. So he takes us like, to the back of the church into like a little viewing room. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we, we sit near the front. He sits behind us. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and he turns on the, uh, the video and it's... it's it was the most bizarre shit I've ever seen because, at least uh, from like a marketing perspective, uh, it it was so bad almost. <laughs> like okay, like ima- basically like uh, you know generic kind of text talking about how you know great they are and about Jesus and um, just accompanied by the most generic uplifting music and just really generic stock footage of like happy families and shit. And I was I was like if 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 this is like your first kind of pitch to any you know even out there i really like is this the best you can do anyway he, like he didn't lie to us it was four minutes um and so we, we got our bibles and left but so at least at least the mormons didn't uh 
get us to wait for three hours or yeah. <laughs> however long you had to. <laughs> At least it's not coercive. Bloody hell. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they were they were very friendly about it. Um, With the Mormons, did you find them to have a particular like? I I think the Scientologists I met were trained in a sense um, to never break eye contact, to always be smiling. So yeah, like Tom I, Cruise, basically. Yeah, I I. I mean, it was, it was, you know, the, I guess like, like the, the, the guy we were talking to, he, you know, he, he did act a bit strange in a sense that like, it's almost like so friendly that it's weird, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't say you made us feel like too uncomfortable. I, I yeah. He was, okay, he was, he was fine. fine. He was he all was right. right. Yeah, Cause <laughs> like, even though like, you could argue that Mormon, Mormonism is just as absurd as Scientology, at least of like religions like Mormonism. I don't think they're purely for profit, whereas Scientology no, is. No, exactly. I, I feel that Mormonism isn't purely for profit, and the way Mormonism spreads um, is, is more of a generational thing, Yeah, I think, where, where it's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, Mormon family, you have, you know, four kids, and, of course, exponentially, yeah. the generation will grow, and your Mormon family will grow. Um, whereas Scientology is just re is, is hooking people in yeah. and not letting them go. Well, it, even using the term religion for Scientology, whether you believe all religions are cults or whatever, it's still a loose term because when I was there, um, even though it is officially a church of Scientology, one of the women I talked to said she was hesitant to describe it as a church, which I found quite, I found that quite interesting that even someone within well, an organization would be hesitant to describe it as a religion well, or a church. Well, as, as I mentioned before, the reason they do that is because they assume like a lot of their potential recruits are currently you know, upholders to one of the the other main religions. Uh, so so they don't want to kind of, you know, gatekeep in a sense. They want to yeah. say, well, if, if you're if you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, you're whatever, uh, you, you, you know, the, the, these beliefs are completely compatible with whatever you're currently adhering to. By the way, as, as far as far as the uh, the Mormon Bible uh, went, uh, we did we did. So we got it. We took it back to a hotel and it, it, it was pretty entertaining. Um, <laughs> I. I I mean, it was in in the sense that it was it was probably the third worst written book I've ever read in my life. Wait, after, hang on. After, so what are the top two? Uh, uh, Mein Kampf and Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> you haven't read Dianetics then? Oh no, I, I, I no, I have not read Dianetics, and and I will be I would be very careful about buying it because if you buy it from an authorized Scientology. Uh, store then they will almost certainly start bombarding you of with literature that you oh, didn't yeah, ask yeah. for yeah i had to give a fake email so that's how i yeah. avoided that jeez yeah no i, I don't think our uni would have dianetics in, <laughs> in the library, in, in the library. Well, uh, outside mine and twice's university um around about last year i think um you wouldn't be able to walk past about running into mormons so oh yeah i remember yeah, yeah I, I it was every single time I walked through. I had um, Mormons stick their um, their leaflets in my face. Yeah. Um, and what, I mean, and my street here in Manchester, um, we we get a lot of spam through the mailbox. Student houses just get a lot of spam, and most of them are, are you know cheap takeaway places um, or whatever. But the other week, I got um, two different leaflets about Mormonism, and one of them I should have kept it. It was basically about how the Bible prophesized um, certain things that, that came true, 
And it was like, there will be chaos in the future or uncertainty in the future. And it's like, that is true. And then, and then at one point it was saying how, um, how there will be disturbance in public. And the sentence ended with, and this is hidden by the government in the form of UFOs. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I know, it leads to the conclusion, but I had that leaflet, I swear I had it somewhere. And it was just, yeah, it was just absurd. I mean, one other interesting thing I've found about the, the, their Bible is it's, it's almost like a parody Bible. And, and not just because it, it feels like it's written by a 12 year old, but because all the all like the books. So like, you know, like you would have in the regular Christian Bible, for instance, you know, you know the book of the book of Numbers, the book of Genesis, the book of, you know, et cetera. Right. Um, but like and those would be, you know, large chunks of text. Uh, but in the Mormon Bible, each book is a, like a few pages. So some are like two pages. It's 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 hilarious. It, so it, it's all because obviously you know it was it was written by and it it makes and it's all written in the exact same style, even though it's the assumption. Well, what they tell you is that it's you know it's written by all these different prophets. In reality, it was written by one man, Joseph Smith. But um, and it, and it really shows because like it's the exact same format, is the exact same type of language used, and uh, yeah, each book is like a couple of pages long. So it's 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 pretty digestible at least. Damn. Oh, but I guess that's good though. It's kind of like a um, marketing-minded kind of thing where where people will read it. and It's a digestible format. I, I mean, it's I mean the whole thing is still long, but it's just got. A ton of the small, you know, books in it that tried that are, you know, they tried to masquerade as actual, you know, kind of prophetic writings. Where in, in reality, like they're so it's basically yeah. just a Fisher Price Bible, then. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I mean, if you if you uh, if you really uh, want some of that kind of stuff, just just pick up the Old Testament. It's it you can get it for free, uh, pretty much anywhere, and it's uh, it's a lot better written, and there's a lot more fun genocide in it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh no. <laughs> so, wrapping up the Scientology and theology discussion, um, particularly of the one and only God, Zenu, um, we were, let, let's talk about um, something related more to our actual lives and something that can actually make a positive change in the world. And that is uh, young people getting involved with politics. Um, so, the model of the United Nations Society is one form to get involved in politics. And uh, how would you say this works? Well, I think with Model UN, um, usually the people that tend to join societies like ours, and, like, such as Debating Union and uh, European Youth Parliament, uh, these people tend to have some form of interest in politics in the first place, more or less. Um, I think that is a good thing because... You know, getting people involved in politics isn't just getting people from zero awareness to some awareness. It's getting people from some awareness to a lot of awareness. But what I think societies at university fail to do is get people who have zero awareness involved in politics. Um, but through Model UN, we do try to branch out to different subject areas such as mathematics and engineering where people tend to not be as interested in politics hmm. but i often find it quite hard to do so because i think a lot of people just have a stigma against politics in general and i'm not sure if that's just a thing that's always been or specifically due to the current climate i think it's 
it, it, it is a thing it kind of has always been where if you were to ask your grandparents about how politically involved they were or even your parents at, when they were at university to get different time frames um it's the idea that politicians are scummy corrupt people yeah that peddle bullshit when actual political discourse is as we try to do um is is you know analyzing um critically analyzing current events um and at the end of the day politics is the medium the universally accepted medium in which we try to fix everything in the world by bringing in other disciplines yeah because i don't think being a mathematic mathematician or an engineer or whatever is inherently anti-political it's just that there is a stigma that you know you're either a humanities person or a science person of course within the degrees person. yeah and i think that's like as mentioned that's really not the case because if there were no people from a science background in politics then we would end up with a lot more issues that we currently have now where our, pol- our politicians don't have sound energy policies or they don't have sound policies on uh, education or you know similar things that you need a degree of science knowledge to truly be able to appreciate the facets of yeah and this actually makes me think of a, a bit of a silly question so one of the forms of government that a lot of people support on paper is um that of a technocracy where scientists and mathematicians and you know biologists lead the charge in the world of, of politics and governance would you think that maybe the best politician for, uh, say, climate change would be someone who studied um, the, uh, some form of science while doing politics on the side? I think, yeah, I think um, it is important, obviously, to have that you know, expertise in the subject that you're dealing with. But at the end of the day, politicians are lawmakers. They aren't the ones who, you know, decide a policy from scratch. That's more of the job of the civil service. Well, in the UK, it is. Um, and politicians need to be able to argue for that policy in uh, Parliament or in the public uh, theatre. And being just solely from a science background won't really equip you to do that very well. So I think Tobias is on to like, uh, a good idea, whereas you need to have some knowledge in the subjects you're dealing with, but also you need to be able to you know, structure arguments well, be able to deal with... Uh, you know, be able to write these things as a law rather than just a set of ideals. And I think that's where, you know, people who come from a politics background, people who come from a science background need to sort of meet in the middle. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, like, I don't think it's really as much of a problem if, you know, the, the people in charge of, you know, dealing with climate change. I, I, I don't mind them not being climate scientists as long as they understand the science and are capable of listening to advice. Yeah, well, I think that, um, as Mossam was saying, the, the ability to rationalize your um, beliefs in how the world should be run and then being able to form coherent arguments is a very key skill. And I think that it can, it can even be um, done before uh, university. Of course, university is a great time to voluntarily get involved in this if you never did before. But what I'd like to talk about is uh, a charity um, in the UK called DebateMate, 
Mossa knows it. Um, we have friends who have also worked for them. And I worked with DebateMate last year. Um, although they're a charity, they do pay their teachers. However, their services are free. And the way they function is that they, um, they are involved in schools that have a certain number of students in, on, on free meals, government subsidized meals. So in other words, less advantaged schools in less advantaged areas of the country. And I went in saying, I don't know how old my students will be. Um, I've, you know, done private tutoring for kids. I've, I've taught model UN at school. I've helped people at university. So I can work with people of all ages. And I was teaching kids who were nine to 10 years old and they were incredibly um, politically minded. These kids, when I asked them what they wanted to be when they grow up, one guy said, I want to be the prime minister. The other guy said, um, I want to be a doctor. There's always kids, I want to be an astronaut. So they each had, you know, their own um, aspirations for life. But when it came to debating, sure, we did fun debates like, um, should he be allowed to watch TV during the week? Which, of course, the core um, skills that any debate gives you uh, is, is a transferable skill. But some days, um, these kids wanted to debate um, issues with bullying, or more specifically, one week they wanted to um, argue about bullying um, when it came when when it was um, racially motivated. Um, someone wanted to argue about um, benefits, um, and personally, I took it upon myself to not have any subject off limits. Let the kids decide if they want to, you know, if a nine-year-old wants to debate about uh, politics or about economics, um, go there. And basically, my, my point is that young, um, young people at university, at university level can get involved in politics. But as a parent or as a sibling or a cousin or even as a student who wants to help um, the real youth, you know, nine to ten year olds um, get involved in politics, um, have conversations with them about it because they will have an interest for this. Uh, yeah, I agree with Tobias because a lot of these issues everyone has some form of opinion on because they affect us in every day. It's just that a lot of the, again, the stigma behind discussing politics often discourages people from talking about it because they may not be clued up on Brexit or you know the inner workings of parliament but they do have an opinion on whether the NHS should be funded whether you know we should have um, whether we should uh, prioritize our system of government to uh, work for the poor or should it let people you know uh, you know should it should we let people who earn their money keep it and things like that everyone has an opinion on these things it's just that people are discouraged from talking about it if they're not fully knowledgeable about it but I think that is a hindrance because you may not know everything about the issue, but that doesn't mean you can't have a constructive debate about it. And I think where like debate mate comes in, it allows people to air out their opinions, and then a teacher such as Tobias would allow you know help them to form their arguments in a better, more constructive way. Yeah, and you you were saying about um, the the people are scared of not knowing enough. Yeah. Um, going back to model United Nations. Um, 
What's special about Model United Nations is that you're not defending your own opinion. You're defending the opinion of the country you're representing in the debate. And how, how would you say that having to defend a position that either you don't support or you didn't even know existed um, can be beneficial to people? Yeah, so often one of the biggest fears people have about joining Model UN is that they don't know the policy of you know, X country. And I understand that fear because, you know, I don't know the policy of every country in the world, but it is quite easy to learn these policies if you just put a bit of effort in. And I'm not expecting everyone to be some sort of, you know, political mastermind in which they can work out the policy of like Venezuela on crime quite easily. But I think that if you do do a bit of research, it allows you to almost look at the issues that you have your preconceived notions on and it allows you to sort of see them from other perspectives. And like a speech I give at um, like our Freshers' Fairs and things like that is that you're at one of the most diverse universities in the UK, and it would be a shame if you didn't really learn the different ideologies that make up um, the make up the constituent people that go here. And the reason I do that is because I want to personalise these things. Because if I say, oh, that's the policy of Venezuela, that's quite depersonalised. But if I say, this is, you know you will meet people who have this belief that makes people want to actually seek out the different ideologies and the different viewpoints on a certain issue. Yeah. So that's, um, within the university. Yeah. And now looking towards, um, outside the university, I'm, I'm going to ask Peter because, um, officially denied was originally just a blog before becoming a blog and podcast. And, um, Peter, what are your thoughts on getting involved in political discussion or even just putting your opinion out there as someone who isn't part of any societies um, or doesn't even study politics. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like the whole young people and politics question. I mean, it's it's quite interesting because there's different kind of angles you can look at. I mean, I, I mean, you, you've kind of been putting forward a you know a pretty optimistic, I'd say, you know, perspective on it, where you know even. Even, you know, people as young as nine years old can, you know, start to formulate, you know, opinions about current affairs and so on. Um, I mean, obviously, there is a giant problem if you look, you know, at a at an aggregate level, right? You have, you know, for a very long time, and perhaps forever, you know, young people have been less interested in, you know, political activity than people older than them. We, we, we can measure that in different ways. You know, we can measure it in voter turnout, where, you know, uh, essentially the older you get, the more likely you are to vote until you reach about the age of 80, 85, and then it declines. Um, or, for instance, you know, we can look at the membership of political parties. Um, I don't think there is not... I don't think there is a single major political party in the UK whose member, whose average member is younger than 60. Um, so, you know, clearly there is a problem. And, like, I guess we... Well, we first have to figure out where exactly it comes from and then how what to deal with it. I mean, I mean, perhaps one way to look at it is that young people are more cynical about these things. You know, like you hear it, you do hear it a lot, you know, you know, basically, you know, everyone, everyone is crap. You know, I, I, I don't feel that these people relate to me. Um, you know, they're not advocating policies, which I really care about. You know, they are personally very different to me, you know, you know, essentially, you know, old white men who went to Oxford. Um, and I, I, I guess there's kind of, I mean, two kind of ways to go about that. Like the, what, I, what I would usually tell people is, 
you know, you might not care about politics, but politics cares about you. And, you know, essentially, you know, if, if you really don't like, you know, the, the old white men from Oxford who, you know, who govern our country, um, well, the, the thing that they would want the most is for you not to give a shit and for you not to go out there and mobilize uh, in ways that they don't want or you know if you don't vote at all that like that's their preferred outcome right um so you know you can't essentially if, if you think that things are wrong with society um you you have to be be involved or at least at least have an active opinion because you know that that's essentially you know that is how a, dem- a democracy functions yeah um, the, the, the I mean, I, I but I but I, de- I definitely do understand kind of the the detachment that you know occurs among younger voters. You know, it's it's also kind of a self fulfilling prophecy in a sense because, you know, the reason political parties don't put forward policies which are more friendly towards younger voters is because younger voters don't vote that much. You know, the, that that's that's why you know there are both main political you know both Labour and the Conservatives are always promising to you know protect pensions, but they are you know far less feisty when it comes to tuition fees, right? You know, but and that's because you know the electorate is much older um, than the population as a whole, and you know we we definitely have to uh, think about ways to to mitigate that. Yeah, and if you speak to any person that's twen- who who is about twenty years old as I am. Um, I, I think they would all say that they wish they could have voted on the Brexit referendum, whether they were whether they support um, remain or leave. Um, they still wish they could have voted when they were 17, 16, 17. Um, so voting only goes so far um, in expressing your political opinion and pub discussions also only go so far. So, Peter, I'd like to know your um, opinion on other ways to get involved in politics at a young age. Oof. Well, um, well. So, you, so you, I guess you, you mean outside of kind of the the official arena of political parties and elections yeah. and so yeah. forth. Well, I mean, I don't want to get too philosophical, but you know, like almost everything is, almost every issue is, you know, political in some way because you know it it has to do a lot with, you know, laws, regulations, uh, you know, public opinion, culture, whatever, right? It's, um, and, you know, in personal politics. But, um, you know, I'd say if there, if there is an issue that you care about, you know, there's probably, there's probably a campaign group out there that's trying to, um, that's trying to advocate uh, towards, you know, the end goal that you want, right? If you're really if you care a lot about the environment, there's a lot of campaign organizations for that. If you care a lot about, I don't know, like the health, the health service, right? There, there, there's, there's charities, organizations that campaign, you know, for the, for, for the health service there. So there's, you know, even out, even outside of the kind of the official arena, you know, there, there's, there's still tons of ways to get involved. Um, you know, I, I guess the challenge is making people aware of the way that they can do that, um, and you know, it, it's it's often you know not quite very accessible. Yeah, and especially, um, especially especially if you've really kind of got better things to do, right? I mean, that that's kind of one. You know, if you want to be cynical about things, that you know, most people don't. I mean, well, they don't have the time involved. for politics. 
Exactly, right? And like, and that's and that's even more true with young people. You know, e even the average, you know, middle-aged person, you know, has better things to do than worry about Brexit all day. And you know, if if you're a student, you know, you're still kind of trying to figure out where you where you stand politically. You know, if um, you're, you know, you're still kind of figuring out where you are ideologically, what issues you most care about. You know, it can be a bit overwhelming, I'd say. Yeah. Well. When it comes to putting your ideas out there, my recommendation, um, you know, as, as Mossen recommends joining something like Model United Nations and you recommend maybe starting a blog, um, I um, quite recommend um, joining, if you're at university, joining your student newspaper. Um, there is a section for everything. So, of course, if you want to write about books, you can write about books, you want to write about film, film. But there, there, there are... Um, opinion sections as we have we have an opinion section where people give their opinion on if it's a trend in fashion or what they believe is wrong with the government's approach to the nhs um and in a time of course where people complain about journalism being biased and unfair and of course the 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 f word fake news getting involved in student journalism is a way to just put your voice out there and engage with other um, political ideas. As Tobias said, if you put it out there, people will disagree with you, no matter what you say. So there's always room for discussion and debate and argument. Because as I kind of mentioned before, like, like you said, um, everything, almost everything is a form of politics, whether you acknowledge it or not. And people... Even if they're arguing about something small, like, you know, should the council uh, fill in potholes, that is politics to an extent. And just by, you know, putting out your opinions and people responding with their opinions, that does, you know, increase discourse and things like this. So. Yeah, so the bottom line, um, the way I see it, is um, it tr if, you're in if you have a, even the slightest interest in politics, um, go out there and dip your toes in any form of um, political engagement, whether it's writing, whether it's, um, as uh, Mawson said, debating, whether it's um, reporting, or as Peter and I try to do, um, reporting mixed with opinion, um, go do it. People will be there to listen and either agree or disagree with you, but either way, it's, um, it's engagement. It's opening your, your, um, your ears and your mind to new ideas. So, Mossin, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I'm very grateful to be here. Um, to everyone listening at home, um, did you did you like the idea of having um, a guest on? Because we quite liked it. I, I well, I quite liked it. I, did I think Peter? Did you enjoy having a yeah, guest? Yeah, no, on? I, 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 I thought I thought it worked very well. Yeah, it it brings in um, you know different perspectives and makes the discussion a bit more dynamic. Um, so we'll probably try and bring more people on um, as the year goes on. And uh, Mossin, once again, thank you very much well, for risking, you. um, <laughs> risking your <laughs> your life and sanity through the Church of Scientology. Praise Zenu. <laughs> Praise Zenu. <laughs> and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>